Hello and welcome to another episode of Your Inner Nerd. I'm Jets. Got said. Hello. And a special guest, Serena G. Uh, and, hi. Hello. And today we're going to nerd out on film and film history. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, oh, I'm so bad at this. So I'm a, <laughs> I'm a YouTuber. I do um, like sort of video essay slash research heavy videos. I'm a film major and um, a bit of an amateur film historian. I, I mean, with amateur, I wouldn't say that. Like anybody that can dive into like the history of films, like that takes a lot because there's a lot of digging. There's it's not just the actors, it's all of the like producers and the costuming and, and all of the, the makeup. And so you're digging into a lot. So I wouldn't say amateur. I guess that's fair. Yeah. Because <laughs> I mean, there is when you look at it, like, am, uh, and I might be wrong, but like when you dig into a film, like when you're digging into those films, do you dig like that deep? Do you go so deep that you're looking at like somebody that made the costume or someone that even did like the, um, the auditioning up for the film? I mean, it really depends on the film. I mean, for sure, like um, when I was in university, like there's classes for all of those different things about like directors and, and costume people and all that. So you, um, it's definitely something I have learned about. And for sure, if there's like, you know, especially something like um, The Wizard of Oz, obviously you're going to want to look in the costumes and that because they're so striking and the sets and everything. So for sure. That's and that's so interesting, and I don't think a lot of people think about that, right? Like to think about something other than the actors um, in that film, because some of those costumes, like you said, some of those costumings, like if your example, the Wizard of Oz, they're amazing. Like someone took the time to hand make those and make them for that for that person specifically. Right, for sure, and especially like um, the Wizard of Oz, right? Like the lion, for example, made of a real lion. Like that's insane. That is so crazy. And, you know, back then it was like, okay, you know, people don't get offended by this. And now it's like, please do not do that. Like, yeah, it's a little offensive. And, you know, you don't really want to hurt animals to make this damn costume. <laughs> so that's crazy. So I, I do have to ask, um, what is one of your favorite movies and why? Um, I feel like I always have like a smart answer and then like just like, what my actual like okay the movie i really enjoy that i feel like is a really smart answer is probably like stella dallas which is this movie from the 30s directed by king uh vidar which is just this interesting little movie about a mother and a daughter but then the one that i actually enjoy the most would probably be uh josie and the pussycats from 2001 <laughs> so i do have to ask why do you enjoy um both of those like your smart answer being uh, the one from the 30s, and then Josie from the and the Pussycats, um, the one from was it 2000 or 2003? Maybe uh, 2001, I think. One, okay, yeah. So why um, for each one of those? I'm really curious, just just from like your perspective, because you really enjoy films. Um, I guess it's just like kind of the ki the type of films I like. I like Stella Dallas because it's a very um, sort of slice of life type of story it's just this mother and this daughter and you know their relationship and it, it i like stuff like that where it's just like here's a character and this is their life and you know not like human human stories i guess and then josie and the pussycats i don't know i just think it's it's funny i think it's a lot more clever than people give it credit for and i i just i don't know i just really <laughs> dig the uh, aesthetic and the characters and all that 
No, I think that's great. Like, and, and of course, you know, like everybody has different answers for why they like a, a movie. Um, and so it's really interesting just to hear. And, and I agree with you. I think like for like my opinion, if you look at movies from like the 30s, 40s, 50s, every scene was like really dramatic too, right? Like when there was like, and I don't, it's not just like female or male, it's both. When there was a scene, the, the drama, you felt it. Like you felt it hardcore. Oh, for sure. For sure. Like, it was very, and especially the 1930s, it was such a revolutionary time for film, right? Because they were moving out of the silent era and things were getting, you know, now we could speak in film and the acting was getting less exaggerated and things were getting more subtle and it was more about subtlety like it had never been before. That And that's what's really like fun. Uh, you, you move from one era to another and then so... They were able to, and then, you know, that brings, that just brings um, things where they have to put in place, um, you know, the the policies where you're not allowed to say certain words on air because now people can hear it. So you have to be careful. <laughs> right. And, um, you know, the Hayes Code, which is kind of the thing that was really, um, what I want to say, regulated the thing that was the basically the list of the do's and don'ts, like that really didn't come along until the very late 30s or early 40s because you know most of the 30s is what they call the pre-code era and really you could do say show pretty much anything in that time hmm. that's a great time to live right that's never been fun i'm guessing somebody crossed somebody's line and that's why the code came about it's very complicated um it's got <laughs> a lot to do with religion and politics and of course yeah, there was, <laughs> you know, it's it's a very complicated thing to get into of why exactly it happened, but there was a lot of mitigating factors. And, and it's true that certain directors were kind of going a little bit, um, pr- like, pretty off the rails with just doing anything they wanted. Which, I mean, I, I can see that as being a problem. Like, you get to a point where it, it becomes too much. It's like, okay, you, you need to tone it down a bit. Yeah, for sure. And some of the some of the do's and don'ts were reasonable, and some of them were, of course, totally unreasonable and totally based on um, prejudice and just um, closed mindedness and uh, like old ideas about sex and race and like all these things. So it, yeah. it's it was a mixed bag for sure. That do's and don'ts list. <laughs> so crazy. Um, so one main topic. Like you, you, you have you have all the child stars, and you don't think about child stars from the past, but you know you think of child stars now. Like you had, I don't know. For me, it was like when I was growing up, it was like you know you had Hilary Duff, and if you watched the Disney Channel, you had all those Disney Channel child actors and child stars, and some of them became really famous, some of them didn't. Um, but you don't ever think about like past ones. Uh, so we kind of, I want to like ask you about that. Um, you know, are, are you researching or looking into anything with like past child stars? We, t- we discussed this a little bit off air, but um, I kind of want to have your opinion and have you dig into that deeper if you want to. Yes, for sure. So I'm actually working on a big, giant video right now about child stars of the 30s and 40s. And it, the amount of research, I mean, you wouldn't even believe it's insane. <laughs> I think I, I've read about, it's got to be close to like 15 books at this point. And wow. you're right. It's, it's fascinating, the child stars of the 30s and 40s and um, how they were treated and how they were marketed. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, 
Oh, go ahead. Oh, are any of the child actors still alive? I mean, they'd be, what, 80, 90 years old now? I mean, I don't, I think, I don't know if any, uh, I'm sure there's, I think, um, oh, what is her name? Oh, I'm blanking on her name. I know there's (laughs) one girl. I think she started in Lost Angel. I know that. I'm pretty sure she's still alive. Most of them are, most of them are dead. Most of them died around the mid 2010s, like around 2014, 2015. That's when a lot of them uh, were dying. Around the time they turned 70. It'd just be intriguing to hear their story. How, how was the set? How was the lights? How, uh, um, how was it being the first uh, child actor and acting? It's crazy. Yeah, well, luckily for us, a couple of them, not all of them, though, but a couple of them um, did write autobiographies. Oh, great. That's interesting to me. Like, I don't know, like, if you, like, when I think child star, and this is horrible, but it's just the association you get, (laughs) right? Like, uh, because we see it, and when you see child star, like, example, like, Lindsay Lohan, you see... And I don't don't mean to be mean, but like the train wreck they they become, and it's because of how horrible they had it growing up, and how like we don't even know the ins and out and in and outs of it. But if you do some of your research, like just some of the stuff that they had to deal with as a child and growing up in that, yeah. that I think it's really stressful to grow up in that. And then I yeah. also think if uh, you're given a lot of fame and power pretty early, you haven't you know learned a lot of life lessons yet. And in our society, society now at least, especially, we put people up on a pretty high pedestal. So them, uh, I don't know, getting caught smoking pot or something just, oh my gosh, is the biggest, worst thing they could possibly do. No, you're right. For sure. There's a lot of things that go into it. And one of it is just being in the public eye during your formative years. I mean, that's like, can't even imagine that. And then you have also just, um, you know, the pressure to perform well, the amount of work they're doing, the hours they're working, Mm. they're not making friends who are, you know, their own age, they, um, and also, you know, unfortunately there is a lot of, especially back then, there was a lot of mistreatment and a lot of mm-hmm. abuse that went on. And that's, yeah, we're finding that's about, sad. out about, uh, abuse in Hollywood as recent as the nineties. And it probably still continues or continued into the late 2010s, 2020s. Right. And it's a problem because, I mean, I can't say, exactly why but part of the problem is you have parents who want their kid to be famous at any cost and so they're you know they're less diligent they're less um present then you have the other problem is that these people in the film industry are just you know they're so powerful they have all they Mm -hmm. hold all the cards they're in charge of who makes it and who doesn't and that's a lot of power to give to somebody. And you get somebody with the wrong personality type with that power. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's just a recipe for disaster. Well, and then you have like, um, and, and this this is sounds, this is going to sound bad and, and judgmental, but I mean, you have a group, you know, where you're coming from an era where men are the ones with the power, right? That's just, that's how it was. You have men that hold the power, men that work in the industry. And these, these men believe that, like they let it go to their head and it's just biology right at that point when someone has power it it eventually will go to their head because that's just what we're how we're programmed i think yeah i would agree with that and you're right like in the 1920s 30s 40s i mean children i mean children were not even really seen as like their own 
their own humans, their own people. Like they were property and they were property mm -hmm. of their parents. And so then they go into the studio system and the studio system already had this, this, um, this thing where you're under contract and you're, you are, you're owned by MGM or universal or whatever. And then you add into that. It's like, and then you're also a child and you're already considered property. I mean, that's just recipe for disaster. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so sad though. It's so sad. But no, I'm sure there are good things to it too. I mean, for sure. I mean, you get a lot of um, really. I, I'm sure they get. Ex I'm sure they get experiences they couldn't have had otherwise. And there's, I mean, some of these kids were just insanely talented, and you see that when you watch these films, they're just, you know, you can't even believe how how skilled some of these kids really are. So, um, speaking of that, do you have like any that you've that you've maybe you know researched and maybe wasn't as famous or people didn't recognize as much. Like I know, I like me, I only know like I think Shirley Temple from like the '30s, '40s era, and that was like a big child star, right? She was a huge child star. Yeah. Um. So what about other ones? Yeah, that's true. I don't. I don't know why she has stuck around so much more than some of the others, but, um. <laughs> You know, in the 30s, okay, so in the 30s, you had Shirley Temple, and she was the big, she was at Fox, and she was the big girl child star. Mm -hmm. And then you had, at MGM, you had what were the MGM kids. And the first MGM kid who came along in the very early 1930s was a little boy named Jackie Cooper. And he is kind of forgotten about now, but he was really, really famous. He started in the little rascals shorts and then eventually he got um the part in this movie which was this comic strip adaptation called skippy and he played skippy who was the title character and this movie was just you know it was a huge hit people just loved it and he actually got nominated for best actor and he's still to this day the youngest person ever nominated for best wow. actor who's nine and after that I mean, he was just, they were just pumping out these, these Jackie Cooper films after that. It was just like one after the other. And he starred in, I mean, it's crazy how many movies he starred in because like, like I said, no one really talks about him today, but you know, he did The Champ, which was a big movie and he did um, Treasure Island, which was big and, you know, just a ton. And um, so he was sort of, he was sort of the male Shirley Temple. They called him um, America's Boy. That was what he was called. And he, yeah, so he was huge. And then um, before him, in the silent era, there was Jackie Coogan, who, um, if you've ever seen the Charlie Chaplin film, The Kid, that is the kid in that. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. And then, you know, there was other ones around that time. Like there was um, in the 30s, so you had, um, you know, like Mitzi Green and... Uh, Oh, and then, of course, you know, the big, the other MGM kids, which was like Mickey Rooney, Judy Garland, mm -hmm. Freddie Bartholomew. So was Judy Garland, I, guess, I mean, I guess she was considered a child actor, right? Because she was, I think she was, when she did Wizard of Oz, I don't think she was 18 yet. No, I think she was about 15, and she was signed when she was 13. I know okay. that. Yeah, Judy, Judy Garland, I mean, she became extremely famous for, just for Wizard of Oz, right? Like, she was amazing in Wizard of Oz. For sure. And I think 
that's the other thing is because she has Wizard of Oz, which is a movie that has just stuck around. So she's going to always like everyone's always going to know who she is. I think that is one of the things that's really interesting to think about is, you know, all these child actors from that era, you don't really hear about them except the ones that, you know, their movies have stuck around. And it's kind of interesting to think like what made these movies stick around, like what made Wizard of Oz stick around so much that became so popular and to this day it's like you know a treasured item basically for everybody if you haven't seen it then oh my gosh what is wrong with you right yeah <laughs> so it's, it's interesting like to think about why that happens and what specific movies just i guess the audience at the time or i mean i'm sure there's a ton of things yeah i mean it's so hard to say like really just really pin it down but i guess there's just a combination of things i mean there's just something that's very timeless about that story that you know, people just want to keep watching. Although with Wizard of Oz, I do know that one of the things that really um, kept it popular was in the 70s, Ted Turner had the rights to it and he showed it on TV a lot. So that really got it kind of back in the uh, zeitgeist. Okay. And that, I mean, that makes sense. Like if you, you know, you have the rights to it and you just constantly play it, people yeah. are going to love it. Because, I mean, they have to at that point. Yeah, exactly. And there weren't, like, that many TV channels back then either. <laughs> that, that would be uh, interesting, just watching, like, it's just like a rerun. It just plays right after it ends. Like, I think I would probably get tired of that. <laughs> um, so are there any other ones that you found, like, extremely interesting or, like, any, I guess, any research that kind of, like, threw you off or was, like, weird or um, just interesting about some of these child stars from that era? Um, okay, well, I have a couple of things. So what, which do you want to hear about first? First, um, first one that came to mind is Bobby Driscoll, who was um, the big Disney star in the 40s. And then there's also this, um, this Jackie Cooper thing, which was mm. how they made him uh, cry for the movie Skippy. So I don't know which one you oh, want to let's hear. Let's hear, because we were on the to uh, topic of him. Let's hear that one first, and then we can jump into the next one. Okay, so... Like Do I, I want to hear, actually, is it, is it really mean? <laughs> it's pretty mean. It's not oh. too graphic. So basically, he had been doing, like I said, he had been doing like the um, the Little Rascals shorts. So I don't know if you are familiar with those, but they're mm. not like, they don't require like a ton of acting skill. They're just like little kids being <laughs> little kids. So then when he did Skippy, there's like three different scenes in that movie uh, where he has to cry. And so... He um, he was having a hard time crying. He couldn't cry. He couldn't, like, actually make tears come out. And uh, the director was, you know, he was just, he really lost his <laughs> cool. He was very, very upset about this. And he was, oh, gosh. yeah, he was screaming at this kid and, and telling me he was going to replace him. And he was a terrible actor and everything. And Jackie Cooper's mother was uh, very sick most of his life. So she never came on set with him and she sent uh, her mom, his grandma, and his grandma was very mean. And she would always tell him, oh, if you don't, if you don't cry, then you're not going to get paid and then your mom's going to die because she's oh, sick. Gosh. Oh, no. Yeah. So um, when, when he got the role of Skippy, like as a reward, I guess his mom had bought him this little... Uh, lap dog and so he would bring it to set and he would tie it to his chair with his leash and he would have it on set and so when he wasn't able to cry the director 
he points at this dog and he's like, oh, I know what it is. It's this dog. It's distracting you. And so he gives the dog to uh, this crewman and he gives him a handgun and he tells him to go and kill the dog. Oh my gosh. Oh, that's ruthless. Right. So they bring this dog backstage and he shoots off the gun. And of course the kid thinks his dog has just been killed. And of course he starts crying and then they make him do the scene. And that's how they want him to do the scene. That is, uh, they didn't really kill the dog, right? No, no, they just shot off the gun. But that's so, I mean, so and that's where like the treatment comes in, right? The manipulation behind that was just, it's kind of, it's kind of gross, right? Like, like, how could you be okay with that type of manipulation for a little kid who's probably what, like eight or nine, maybe max? Yeah, eight years old. Oh my gosh, that is horrible. (laughs) No, it really is. And it was when, it was when I, came across that story when I decided like, you know, I really need to do like a whole video on this because like, I'm sure there's so much more because it was just so like, it's just kind of shocking. It it is. It's, it's really shocking. Um, You know, like, like I said, the treatment behind that alone is, and the manipulation is just appalling almost it's like how could you be okay like i know but you know it comes down to capitalism at that point where this guy is just trying to make money right the director is trying to get the film done so they can make money off of it and any way that you know whatever it takes i guess is what they do it's heartless holy crap i I mean had it been me i'd have been like i'm leaving i'm walking off set i'm done (laughs) i know so then the thing that is so the thing about that is though so because that crying scene was so realistic, obviously, that's what got him that best um, <laughs> actor nomination. And so after that, um, Louis B. Mayer, who was the head of MGM, or one of them, he said, he said, like, okay, now Jackie Cooper, he's a big star, and obviously what people want from him is a crying scene. So he's got to cry oh, in every no. movie. Oh, yeah. no. That poor kid. I imagine the dog trick only worked once. Mm. No, it's true. The dog trick did only work once, and uh, they tried other things, and they they would trick him in other ways. But eventually, he he got a little older, and he got wise to it. And he's like, "Ugh, these people!" And he he did eventually learn to cry on his own. But he was just really done with being tricked. He really hated yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, it kind of brings in perspective, like you know, um, we we discussed earlier the abuse abuse in in Hollywood, and that kind of brings that perspective of how far it's gone back, right? Like. That's really abusive to me. Like, it's not, you know, it's not sexual abuse, thank God, but it's still a, a, a mental abuse or emotional abuse to somebody. Mm-hmm. And that's not okay because, like, that's how they grow up and that's what they learn now. Yeah, 100%. Like, you're right. It's completely abusive and it's completely, you know, something that should have never been allowed. But because, you know, the, the director doesn't care and there's no, um, there's no one there, you know, making sure the kid is is treated well and his mom isn't there and the grandma just doesn't care. So, you know, that's what ends up happening. Yeah. It's just, it's so insane. Um, Wow. That just blows my mind. Honestly. Um, Is, uh, is the other story a worse? (laughs) I guess that's my question. I'm nervous. (laughs) Um, It is definitely worse. Like if you don't want to hear it, that's fine. But I mean, I want to. I honestly, I I want to hear it just because I think it's a it's such an interesting such an interesting topic within 
you know, and, and it's a huge part of the filming history too. Yeah. So I'll just give you kind of a, a brief overview of the, of the whole thing. And then if you have uh, more questions, I guess, just <laughs> ask them. So Bobby Driscoll, I don't know. Do either of you know that name? No. No. Okay. So he was, he was the, he was actually the first actor ever signed um, with Disney and he was signed back in the 40s and he did a movie which you know obviously Disney uh, doesn't talk about it now but it was a big movie at the time it was called Song of the South I don't know if any of if you got no. either of you no okay so Song of the South Ooh, okay <laughs> so Song of the South was this uh Disney movie about like the Uncle Remus tales and it was it took place on a plantation it was after slavery but it was still kind of mm. uh, so they don't really talk about it now but it, it was yeah. big at the time it was a big hit and he played the little boy in that movie and after that you know because it was such a big hit obviously they kept casting him and he did a he did a bunch of movies um i think the other one people would probably know the most would be treasure island he did the 1950 version okay. and then of course the big one which was that he was the voice and the uh, visual inspiration for Peter Pan. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he was a big deal. And besides that, he was always doing like Disney records, like recording records and doing the Disney, you know, promo on TV and Disney, you know, magazines. Like he was like the face of Disney for a while. Like obviously not as big as like Mickey Mouse, but people really associated with Disney with Bobby Driscoll for a few years. He was really, really big. And so he um, was you know, working there, making them a bunch of money. And then right after Peter Pan came out, he kind of started... And you have to understand also that at this time, like, the studio, like, that was your home. Like, you pretty much lived there, especially if you were mm -hmm. a little kid. And so you really knew these people very intimately, and it was like, it was like a home to you. And so he started hearing these rumors that he's going to get fired... And he's like, oh, come on, that can't be true. I've been here since I was, you know, seven years old. It's, come on, I'm going to go uh, talk to Walt Disney. And, of course, he goes and he asks the secretary, you know, I want to speak to Mr. Disney. Usually it's no big deal. And, of course, this time she's like, no, you can't go in there. And he's like, why? And he's, she's like, oh, well, we don't need you anymore. And she just calls security and she has him <sighs> oh. removed. Oh, sad. Yeah. It is sad. And so, you know... They fired him and they kept, you know, he, they had all kinds of merch with his face and with his voice, like I said, records. And they were re-releasing these films in theaters, which is what they used to do. They would re-release them. And, you know, he doesn't get residuals from that. He doesn't get any money from that. Like, they just completely own that stuff. He doesn't wow. see anything from that. Yeah. And so what happened was, you know, fast forward a few years later... He was fired when he was uh, a teenager. I can't remember the exact age. And when he was 31, um, he died homeless. Oh, terrible. Yeah. And Disney, when they found out, they didn't say anything. They didn't announce it to the press. They just kept re-releasing Song of the South. They re-released Treasure Island. And eventually some reporters found out. And Disney, you know, they still didn't say anything. I mean, at that point, you think that they would at least, uh, I don't know, they would have gave the contract that he had was probably completely, they they probably screwed him over hardcore with the contract. Yeah. Well, back then, 
like back then the studio just owned everything yeah anything you mm. did under them they owned it so today for example like you mentioned hillary duff at the beginning so today hillary duff still gets money from her music sales and if they replay this yep. mcguire and like all the stuff they sold like the dolls of her she gets money from that still like back then there was no deals like that like that was just all the studio's money a turning event where I know we have a Screen Actors Guild and a Writing Guild now, and a, probably at some point there was something that kind of required that people banded together and decided, uh, hey, we're going to get paid if, if you're going to continue to play our content. Yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't think that happened for a long time though, because like, no, what not. era? So like, what era was like Rock Hudson and and that you know the, that group of actors? Like, I think it was around the same time, maybe '50s, '60s era. Rock Hudson, um, I feel like he was 40s, 50s. Yeah, it might have been. And like they still got paid like salary, right? And they could be fired at any point. Yeah. And and not get any money after that. And so it's it's kind of, I mean, it's, it's horrible because they're not getting money for what they did. They're not getting, and I, th- I do think like anybody that does acting and, and somebody, you know, somebody that plays a Hillary Duff song, Hillary Duff should get money for it, of course, because it's hers. Yeah. And in his case, uh, shame on them. So they're continuing to profit off of him. And he's homeless, right. ha- moneyless, um, probably has mental health issues at this point, having been homeless for a while. Um, yeah. And adults somewhere were profiting off of him and, and could have supported him. Yeah, exactly. And then to just to not even um, say anything, like not even say, oh, you know, he died and it's sad and we're sorry or like anything. Even like today, like acknowledging that as like, you know, putting a foundation together for him, like in his name, like for even like actors or actresses, fire or homeless youth or or something like that, right? Yeah, anything like even just like an official apology from Disney or like some sort of acknowledgement. Like, for example, I don't know if you're familiar, Disney has this thing called the Disney Legends program, which is where they like they kind of induct like people like different people who are important to Disney, like, you know, Mary Blair or, you know, Catherine Beaumont, people like that. And that started in the late eighties. And there were, there were letter writing campaigns from fans to have Bobby Driscoll named as one of those Disney legends. And to this day, it's never happened. Wow. They should, yeah, they should be ashamed of that. Like that's something that they should be horribly ashamed of. And like, you know, I know that the movie he did was, is very controversial, for, but for the time it wasn't. And, you know, you can't blame the actor for doing the movie. Um, you know, people, it, it was a time period, right? Like, it's no excuse, but that's what it was. Right. And especially a kid. And that wasn't his only movie. Like, he was in this movie called So Dear to My Heart. He was in Melody Time. He was in Treasure Island, Peter Pan, all these um, different, like, promotional things. for Like, he was, he was a big deal and they just threw him out like it was nothing which is so sad like like and uh, honestly shame on walt disney for not having uh, excuse me the balls to be the one to fire him right can't even face the kid can't even face the kid you'd be the one to fire him yeah you're right like i never really thought about that but you're right that's just so cowardice and so lame it really is it's like that's that's where you go you have your your secretary get rid of that's horrible like come on it really is. Um, just one second. I just have to go to the bathroom. I'll be right back. Okay. Hey. Okay, I'm back. 
Hello? Hello? Yep, sorry. Okay. <laughs> so, um, I think Jets had a couple of questions he was going to ask. Yeah, I was going to ask you about, uh, I, I didn't, I know Sed had uh, some time, but I didn't have uh, much time to check out your YouTube channel. So I was curious about what kind of content you post there and what our listeners can expect uh, when they go to your YouTube site. Okay, so I always have kind of a hard time explaining this, but basically what I do is I do um <clears throat> um I, I do sort of sometimes I do like video essays and other times I do videos that are like informative long form um like well-researched videos. A lot of time it's um film history or like TV and or not even necessarily history, but film or TV. And then uh, some. there's a couple ones that are a bit more random. But it's mostly like sort of long-form, informative videos. Okay, great. I think I saw that. Like, um, I watched a couple, but I watched the one where it's like the seven movies from the 70s. Like, the, the different styles like than what people are used to right the strange ones like 70 like you said i think in the video you said you know the 70s brought some amazing movies but what about the strange ones that have have brought yeah that was a fun that was a fun video to do watching all those weird obscure movies that was (laughs) i like that one (laughs) what was your favorite one oh my gosh um like i think the one that was like actually good was this film called over the edge and then um there was also this movie called Dawn Portrait of a Teenage Runaway, which is not a good movie, but I kind of just like it because it's like <laughs> kind of goofy. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, I think I, I was I was watching that video and it was interesting to, to kind of, and, and you know, that's how it is with every era too. Like the 90s had some really weird movies and strange movies, but it's kind of fun to go back and see them from like the 70s and, you know, 80s and, and 60s eras even. Just the strange, weird ones. Yeah, for sure. And even this thing i'm doing now about the child stars like i've actually you know obviously i wanted to see the movies and some of them are really good like the champ and these other movies like oh they're really good and then some of these movies in the 30s you're like wow i guess they had really bad movies back then too (laughs) like ooh, okay yeah that's bad acting (laughs) it's like stories like that go nowhere (laughs) (laughs) oh that's funny um so jets did you have any more questions um yeah it's pride month and i was uh i haven't watched how homophobia ruined uh this movie but it's uh curious to learn a little bit more about it oh yeah that was really interesting so in the 90s there was this movie that came out and it was called 54 and it was about studio 54 i don't know if you know what that is yes yep. <laughs> okay good because i did get some comments on that video like what is studio 54 oh, oh my god i knew okay. this <laughs> but um <laughs> Yeah, so it came out and it was kind of lame and it was like, oh, no one really yeah. liked it. And it was like, oh, that was did not capture the spirit of Studio 54. But then a couple of years ago, I think in like 2016, the director's cut of this movie comes out and it's literally a completely different movie. <laughs> and yeah, so what it turned out is that the guy had made this really good movie and then the studio, um, they they did some test screenings and a lot of people were like, like they literally said like oh i don't like that the main character is bisexual and i don't like this and i don't oh. like that. yeah and so they actually just cut out all the all the bisexual and homosexual themes and they just completely 
they cut out, I think it was 40 minutes, and then they reshot a new 40 minutes that was completely different. So that completely killed the the whole storyline, it sounds like. Yeah, so it was just, they're two completely different films. It's insane. Which is really interesting because um, if anybody knew anything about Studio 54, like if people knew about it, uh, one of the owners was actually gay. Um, you know, it was like, I actually, we, we just watched a documentary on um, Studio 54 and like the allegations and everything that they did back in the day, which was really messed up. But like one of the owners was gay. Um, and I mean, there was a lot of, it was a, I mean, if anybody knew about Studio 54, it was it was a place that you went to basically be free and be whoever you wanted to be, right? That's how they labeled it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so you're right. The They really went against the whole uh, <laughs> the whole idea of Studio 54. They produced a story that uh, wasn't actually the story. And I guess they must have just been worried about uh, the bottom line. Like, will this movie sell? Will people go see it? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it did well in, in New York and other cities, but then in, um, you know, the more suburban areas, it didn't do well. And it's like, well, I mean, are those people going to go see the movie? Probably not. <laughs> and that's still a thing, right? That's still yeah. like bigger cities where you have, um, sadly, where you have LGBTQ, you know, uh, movies. It's still really big in New York and bigger cities and you go to the suburban areas and it's not as big. Yeah, and you're right. It is it is really sad that it's still like that. Yeah, I remember uh so we live in a small community um and Brokeback Mountain came out and uh locally the theaters that, you know, purchase I guess the rights to show movies decided not to purchase that right and they didn't show it here. And uh I don't think anybody goes to movies anymore. I was just feel like <laughs> is that still a problem? Well, I don't even know that people go to movies. Yeah, I guess people do. People do. I mean, uh, that people do. I, where we live, at least they do. And um, I mean, we went to one a few years ago. Hmm. We went to, and it was surprisingly that the local theater got it. Um, it was it, it was an LGBTQ movie. It was Love Simon, right? Is that what it's called? Oh yeah, that's right. We did go see that. Okay, and, so that's no longer a problem, at least in our rural community. Well, that's, that's good. good. At least it's yeah. kind of crazy. Like Brokeback Mountain, like it was so big. It was like Oscar. It won mm-hmm. the Oscar, right? Or just yeah. nominated? No, it was, I think it won. And I mean, you had two amazing actors that were so comfortable with their sexuality that they could play these roles, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And, I don't know. I guess people just don't, maybe they're just uncomfortable with their own sexuality. That's why they don't want it. <laughs> I mean, it's, then don't watch it. Man, I, it's a whole other podcast episode. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that, I mean, it's the Studio 54 thing is so, it's just so weird to me because it's like, well, yeah. it's everything about Studio 54 is being free and being open and, you know, you could be bisexual, gay, no one cared, right? Right, exactly. And it's almost like, well, why did you guys even want him to make a movie about Studio yeah. 54? Right. Like- just produce something else, anything else. <laughs> oh, that's sad. Well, that uh, I'm really excited to go watch that uh, tonight, so... Go watch yeah, that and that's thing. a that's a short little video too. Cool. All right. Um, well, I think we're getting to our time. Um, Jess, do you have anything else? Uh, yeah, I was just curious. So, if we want to see more of your content, uh, learn more about some of the things you found and you found interesting, where can we check out more of your content? So, on YouTube, uh, my channel is called Serena G, and I think it's the first one that pops up if you type in uh, Serena G. Yep, it was for me. Okay, then good. 
<laughs> and you're are you so you're you're working on the the video for the the child stars from the 30s and 40s that's going to be on your youtube um channel yeah okay perfect because i'm going to tell you right now i'm excited to to hear all about that and watch that video when you get it done oh if you if you like you know were interested in what i told you like it'll blow your mind oh cool i, I can't even imagine just some of the stuff that happens like <laughs> One thing, like I, if if what you told us is the preview, uh, yeah, <laughs> amazing. It's gonna be amazing, but it's also gonna be like it's gonna bring to light, which I think is good. Like when you like somebody like you does a video about this, like brings to light how abusive Hollywood can be. Like Hollywood is great yeah. where it produces movies and it gives people jobs. But there's also a dark side to Hollywood. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Humans in general. Yes. Too bad. Well, thanks so much for your time. Um, for our listeners, we'll have uh, the links to our YouTube um, at the bottom of this episode. Um, and be sure to check out our uh, videos. Yes, please check those out. All right. Well, thank you so much. And for all the listeners, have a good evening, morning, afternoon, whatever it is. Thank you and goodbye. <laughs>